Hello and welcome to the Double Pivot, the world's most agreeable soccer analytics podcast. I am Michael Cayley. We are here the week after the Champions League. We are going to keep talking soccer. There's lots of soccer. And in particular, I am a uh, newly minted Gotham FC season ticket holder. And the NWSL season actually been going for a little while, but we figured this would be a good time to sort of jump in. It's not exactly a season preview again, because it's happening, but we wanted to be able to uh, both provide listeners with sort of a foothold to jump into this season, as well as help ourselves become more informed fans. Uh, so that's what we're going to do. We, I am joined by Mike Goodman and our special guest, our official NWSL correspondent. I was saying before the podcast, this podcast has two official correspondents. We have a salacious gossip correspondent and we have an NWSL correspondent. So uh, very excited. I'll do the intro. With us today is Ariel Dror, who is uh, an occasional contributor at American Soccer Analysis and a data analyst at Zealous Analytics. Did I get that all right? I'm a data scientist. Data scientist. Come on, man. Two things I had to remember, and I got one of them. <laughs> That's okay. It's, it's pretty similar. All right. So um, we had you were you were with us last year when we did our NWSL preview, and that time we actually managed to get it in before the season started. Um, this time we have somewhere between four and six games under everybody's. So I, I feel like it's always a good time to sort of take the measure of the league because we've got enough games that maybe we've got a sense of what's going on. And in the NWSL, they also had the Challenge Cup before the season started. So we've had a good number, like we've had a good while to look at these teams and maybe try to like wrap our brains around where all of them are. Yeah, I would say that. I would say that um, between the Challenge Cup and, and regular season, we sort of can see teams that have continued on their trajectory and um, their performances and then other teams that have uh, sort of seem, seemingly hit a wall after the Challenge Cup or even some teams that have sort of uh, hit a new groove afterwards. Um, so right, lots so of different I, teams on different trajectories. Yeah, so the, for the main uh, sort of resource, public statistical resource we'll be using for this, I think, is the um, is, is ASA, American Soccer Analysis, and they've got advanced stats for NWSL. Their numbers combine the Challenge Cup with the league for the most part. So like, you know, sort of when you look at like where things are, it might not exactly correspond to the table or to what's been going on for the league season because it, you know, if, if someone has had a stronger or weaker Challenge Cup. That's right. Though luckily you can actually slice and dice the, the numbers according to Challenge Cup and regular season separately, if that's yep. interesting to you. Yeah, so that, that that is useful. At the same time, that gets you down to like a few hundred minutes a piece. Exactly. And like, what do you? <laughs> so exactly. I try to get the stats ways. as close as possible. To, or I use most uh, most of the stats I, I've pulled are are for both phases of the season, just to make sure we have a big enough sample size to see something interesting. Awesome. So what we were saying, sort of, as we were getting started, is that one of the big stories of the season so far is parity. Uh, right, right now, there's only one team with a goal difference that is above an absolute value of three. Uh, everyone is either is between plus three and minus three, except for the expansion San Diego wave. And that is like, you know, anybody's game really is, is, is the story of the season so far. Yeah, that's that's right. And it continues on a trend from last year, right? Like uh, the teams that started at the lowest ended up being the teams that made it pretty far into the playoffs. So uh, nothing particularly new, but every time it's still a little bit surprising, I think. Do you have any yeah. team in particular that you want to start with that is 
different than what you anticipated them being in, in, in some way, shape, or form? Like, is there is there any team that to you is like really surprising? Yeah, I mean, I know you said you're a newly minted Gotham fan uh, or Gotham, Gotham season ticket holder. Congratulations. Um, might make sense to start there because I think uh, their performance has been a little bit surprising so far uh, compared to where we left them at the end of last season um, where they had made the playoffs. Um, and now they are decidedly um, not necessarily playoff material. Um, <laughs> uh, through the that, first... is, that is a very generous way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, anything can happen. So... Um, but yeah, at the, shall I just start? Yes. Yeah, what, what's what's going wrong? Yeah. So at the end of last season, they seem to have like a, a pretty decent core set of players. Um, they had some young players like Evelyn Vienne and Brianna Pinto. Um, two of the had, two players had come through the draft, and and one in particular was uh, sort of uh, thought to be the successor successor to Carly Lloyd um, as she retired. Um, they both left um, pretty immediately after the season. Um, and then uh, their two goalkeepers who had pretty much kept them sort of um, steady over the past several seasons, Kaylin Sheridan and Didi Heracic also left for expansion teams. Um, so they were left with a, without a lot of players. And then adding on um, Ali Long's pre- uh, pregnancy with twins, um, she had been pretty key to them last season as well. Um, they were missing a lot of players. Um, and to be fair, last season was a bit of a, a lucky season for them. They they sort of had this Gotham Force Field situation going on, uh, where they uh, conceded half half the number of goals as their um, XG allowed. So uh, they they were already extremely lucky to begin with. Um, so maybe this is just like catching up to them a little bit. Um, but this season so far has not not treated them kindly. Um, through the first several games, they've averaged like less than one XG per game. Um, maybe getting like a couple shots off and it's it's pretty stark compared to where they were last season where where their offense seemed like pretty pretty unstoppable and extremely dynamic and even with um even with like some fairly significant absences due to injuries um over the course of the season they still were able to like remain um offensively um competitive um yeah it was it does seem to me like the major difference is last year they were a good attacking team who somehow managed to not concede yes like through you know magic and and this year they are the magic is gone and they're also not a good attacking team which yeah. does not seem to be a particularly good mix for you to go and enjoy every week <laughs> yeah I, I mean i mean the ma- the magic's not gone yet yeah. they, they they've won two of their four games They've only got a negative one goal difference despite an XG difference of like negative five and a half. So you know, the, magic, the magic's not gone yet. But I mean, the big thing that was striking to me, and this is you know, what I noticed last season going to games too, is that like they, they didn't solve their defensive problems. And I, and I worry that like they didn't approach this season as a team that had defensive problems yeah. because, because the goals hadn't gone in. Um, and then, you know, it, the, you know, the one home game I went to this season, it was just so clear when Purse came in in the second half that, like, without her, there simply wasn't an out ball that could also get shots. Yeah, I would agree with that, especially on the, the fact that they didn't really seem to improve their, their defense. Um, instead of Actually, I would say instead of improving their defense, they might have downgraded a little bit. They, I mean, when you lose a, a keeper like Kaylin Sheridan, uh, any keeper is going to be a downgrade. Um, and they brought in two veteran keepers, um, and, and, and Ashlyn Harris and, and Michelle Betos. And statistically, Michelle Betos is actually like the more consistent and better shot stopper, but um, she, she's sitting on the bench. Um, I don't, you don't, you don't really go get... Ashlyn Harris and Allie Krieger and then not play. Correct. Like either of them. Correct. 
Yeah, I, I think part of it is, is that they had the sort of like win now idea and they thought this was the way that they were going to win now. Um, but it doesn't really seem like uh, that strategy necessarily paid off. Um, I think we see like time and time again that like young teams with young players are, are maybe sort of where you can work towards it sort of sets you up better for the future. Um, but they didn't necessarily take that approach. And again, like Ali Long's absence really doesn't help because they have what feels like a pretty quiet, ineffective midfield now. Um, she was she yeah. was really key to what they were doing and and even like bringing christy mewis who who you would have expected to to be really effective um it really, really is like I, it, it's such a such a veteran named team which they really were not well it's weird it's like they felt that they needed to replace the name recognition that they lost in carly lloyd with well-known players who didn't necessarily fit production wise what they needed right I would agree with that and it's not like they weren't a veteran team before they definitely had really experienced players like Capri Capri Stadasco who ended up winning defender of the year has been playing the league for several years um Gina Lewandowski um another player that has been in the league for for many years and is a veteran defender um but instead of replacing with like veteran talent that is this is like effective um they just sort of replaced with 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 name with names um right. so yeah yeah it was it, it was it was rough and like you know you you and then you've got McCall Zerboni who's not nearly the player that she used to be but she basically has the job of protecting a pretty weak defense yeah and then there was that was just like the lack of a way to get the ball because you've got Zerboni can move the ball forward some but she has to be deep because that's the only way to protect yep. the back line. And then there was just no ball to Mewis who right. was supposed to then create for other players. Like there's just, you know, and, and then if you don't have purse, there isn't really someone from Mewis to create for. So Mewis is like trying to create for herself. It, it's, yeah. it's going to be a mess. I, I, I'm, I'm hoping that like, I just want there to be enough luck that my kid won't get really sad about going to games and seeing the blues is basically my plan at this point. So, um, Let's jump from your kid to my kid, who I am trying to get out to a Washington Spirit match. All and right. um, last year we were living in Europe and she got to stay up late to watch the finals oh. uh, with me as I was working. And she found this very exciting. And then she watched the Challenge Cup finals with me again. And she's, she's five, so she's young enough that she doesn't really understand being upset by them losing. Um, I was sort of hopeful I was going to take her generally to like a contending team again this season and the standings are not particularly yeah. cooperating, but this team still seems okay. Like, yeah, I think the spirit are in a really rough place right now. So they started the challenge, the challenge cup and, you know, they made it all the way to the finals after winning the championship last year and they returned pretty much the entire team. Um, so on paper, you would have expected them to be good. I don't think they expected to make, or they've said they didn't expect it to make it to the finals. Um, so they sort of uh, pushed early. Uh, and now all the teams that made it really far in the Challenge Cup are actually at the bottom of the standings uh, in points per game. Uh, so they're sort of in good company right now. Um, so it's not exactly surprising, but now they have, luck is really not on their side. They've played like five games into their, their schedule is really compressed. I think by the, by mid June, they'll have played like over a quarter of their season um, with, uh, less than five days of rest between each game. So they're tired. Um, they don't rotate a lot. Um, so the same players are playing all of their minutes. Um, and then when the international break starts, like almost seven of their 11 starters are likely going to go into national team camps um, to play for 
qualifying for the respective um, federations or, or the Euros, I think, in the case of, of one And it, it does seem like Spirit in particular are a group that this international cycle, a lot of their players have sort of graduated up into the, mm-hmm. the, the, in Ameri- the American women's national team program, right? Whereas like they, they weren't, you know, the Trinity Rodmans of the world were not in the picture until the sort of the talent rolled over. And now it's a lot bigger burden on the Spirit. Right. I mean, I think in the last national team camp, like six of the 25 or whatever were from the spirit. So um, when I, I went to go see a national team game in in February in California, where I live and like most of the starting 11 was just the spirit. So, um, yeah, it, it definitely doesn't do them any favors. I think they, they might really struggle sort of um, through the international break um, in July. Um, I'm so sorry, but um, <laughs> um but last season, they also struggled a lot when their players were at the Olympics, and then they sort of were able to um, gain steam at the end. And of course, there were like very different circumstances that drove that. Um, but if there's any team that knows how to like take momentum and carry it, it's probably the spirit. Um, but but their players are really good. Like almost all their players are at the top of the uh, goals added standings um, in terms of possession value. Um, Ashley hatches like near the top and XG earned. Um, yeah, yeah, obviously and, they're very I mean, good Hatch has been absurd this season in, yeah. in the Challenge Cup and, and the season combined. She's got like nine goals. Now, that's like the XG that I see. That's from like five and a half, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's almost as many goals as she scored last year. Yeah. She's been, yeah. And, and, you know, Trinity Rodman is. Last year, she was my type in that she got tons of shots and had tons of XG and had somewhat fewer goals than one might have expected. This year, that has somewhat self-corrected so far. She's got like five goals from, I don't know, somewhere between three and four XG but by my numbers. Yeah. Um, so, But she's she's also like, it was there last season, but it seems like this season she's really developed that ball progression game. Like she can now, she's, she's now that sort of classic winger type where you can get the ball to her and she can be your answer to moving the ball into the penalty area and she'll get you a forwards number of shots. And this, right. and she's just turned 20. It is, it's she absurd. is a superstar. Yeah. It, she's, she's pretty absurd. I remember last year, um, they had sort of tempered expectations on, on what she was going to do. And then she entered the game and sort of turned it on its heel. And every game that she's come in, like the spirit don't look the same when she's not there. Um, either when she's not there physically on the field or when she's not like mentally there. I remember at the final around like the 60th minute, she decided she won't like, she was going to make it her own game. And she, she, she has a game winning assist and um, like kind of single-handedly turned the game on its heel. So she, yeah. she, she's a game changer for sure. Yeah. There's definitely yeah. a narrative around her when she came into the league. She was the third overall draft pick and two years ago. And like, there was some talk that like, she shouldn't have left college after one season. There was a little bit of like the name recognition and athleticism is there. And that's making her go higher in the draft than expected, but she's too raw really to compete. And then she just showed up and blew everybody away. And like, she just continues to blow everybody away. And I think the scary thing about her is that like, I don't know that people were wrong about how raw she was coming into the league, but that sort of suggests that her ceiling is like astronomical. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like just like, you know, generational talent kind of yeah. thing. 
Yeah, I agree. I would also say like there was a lot of questions about her declaring for the draft because there was no precedent. She didn't even play a season uh, because it was canceled during COVID. So right. no one knew how her like uh, youth national team experience and, well, and I guess, like, I guess youth the, experience would translate. I guess the closest thing to a, to a precedent for that would be Mal Pugh, right? Who like played what half a season? I guess at at. at... I don't know if she actually ever played a single game, but she had already played for the national team and sort of had like shown herself like Trinity Robin didn't necessarily have that, at least for, for people watching from afar. Um, But clearly she She was not, she was not plugged into the youth system in the same way that, that Mal Pugh was coming up. I think she was, I just don't think she had, she hadn't had any senior caps. And by the time Mal Pugh joined the spirit, like she'd already been in the Olympics. Right. So um, I believe so I think that's right. That. I should, um, I should, I should know that, but I don't off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, so it's just like a different, sort of a different situation. Um, but she's, you know, she's setting precedent for other people, other players in the future. So I guess, I yeah, guess. So go ahead, Kelly. I was going to say. So it sounds like you know the 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 spirit story is that this is just a really good team, and we're giving you a preview right as they're about to become something completely different that may not be a really good team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, also to be fair, like in the down stretch when they started to become a really good team last year, there was a lot of luck on their side. Like they yeah. won all their games. A lot of them were sort of lucky wins. Um, the the first game that their new coach lost was the Challenge Cup final. Um, yeah. So definitely like might be some, some changing of, of luck, but I mean, on paper, they're still a really great team. And even when they're not incredible, they're really, really fun to watch. So, yeah. I think part of what's happened, games. I yeah, think part of what's happened that's, this that's year better. is that like they're insanely fun to watch, but they're somewhat more open than they were when they were very good last yeah. season. Mm-hmm. And like, to some degree, that's Andy Sullivan not being in the lineup. Right. Yeah. Cause she's, she's been back in, now. Yeah. And she's back now. Although, is she getting called up? I don't know off the top of my head. Probably. Like she's um, so, you know, again, <laughs> I think that this is a team that you can sort of invest in and hope that down the stretch of the season, it all comes together again um, as they get all their players back, as they get healthy. And that if you can just get into the playoffs, this is a team that can play with anybody. Yeah. I would hundred percent agree with that. Okay. So um we are we are going to be uh, absolute uh, caricatures of ourselves, and 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 having having hit the New York team, slash New Jersey, and the Washington D.C. team, we are going to jump all the way over to the other coast and talk about the California teams who are new this year in the league, in which we've got San Diego Wave and uh, the and Los Angeles. So um, they're the two teams at the top of the table. They're the two new teams at the two teams at the top of the table. So these must be two good teams, right? Uh, maybe. <laughs> I think it's easy to tell, but um, yeah, I would say that maybe one team seems to be like the real deal or close to the real deal, um, and another team maybe has work to do um, before. Before, so let's let's start at the top at San Diego, and and yeah. I, I think we're all in agreement that they're they're legit really good. Uh, what is it that they do well? Well, I think first of all, they have players that seem to be bought in and excited to be there. Um, like Alex Morgan is is sort of in the club form of her life, if you will. Um, she, she leads the, t- the the league in goals and, and XG created, XG and uh, plus ex- expect assists created. Um, and she's actually still um, like underperforming that, if I recall correctly. Um, um, and granted, some of that is PKs that, that have been drawn um, and she's, she's the team's PK taker, but um, it, it doesn't hurt to have like one of the most efficient forwards in the league right now um 
Taylor Korniak, uh, who was traded from Orlando Pride last season, um, she seemed to struggle there, but she seems to have gained a new footing or a new sort of confidence um, in San Diego, which definitely helps. Um, and yeah, they have uh, like the best goalkeeper in the league in Kaylin Sheridan in net. So that, you know, <laughs> yeah, all right, he got them, but congrats to San Diego. It definitely helps. And and they have uh, really good defenders too in, in the number one draft pick, Naomi Gurma and a national team player, uh, Abby Dahlkemper. So all around, they just have good players. Um, and I'm sure it's only going to improve as the transfer market opens because they've they've said that they're intending on signing some new players um, to help through um, qualifying. So yeah, they seem like a, a really good team on paper. I mean, they are sort of overperforming a little bit um, what we would expect, but they seem at least like a, like a playoff contender for sure. Uh, Opta had the stat after they won for their fi- first five games that every team that's ever done that has made it to the championship. And I think now we're seeing even more parity than we used to. So I don't know. I think that might be a bit of a bold claim, but they definitely seem like they've at least trending towards a playoff spot for sure. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if you look at the stats from from the the cha- the Opta stats from the Challenge Cup and, and this league, right? They're third in they're third in shots per game. They're like I think they're they're first in expected goals per game. Like this is a, this is a team that, that there's nothing. Yes, they're, they're helped by getting these penalties, but they're they are in and around the box a lot with the ball. They tilt the field in their direction. They're just a very good attacking team, and like. It, it kind of starts with Alex Morgan, but it's not just Alex Morgan. Um, although, like, I guess, like, it. She's one of those players where she doesn't really pass, but so like, so like, it's not that she's helping other teammates by feeding them the ball, but she yep. does attract so much defensive exactly. attention. Exactly, and she that, has a really high defensive work rate as well. Yeah, yeah, that's yep. that's Certainly. a really important part of it too. Yep, she works. She works really hard, and then somehow every team is keying on her, and she's not very good at moving the ball onto a teammate. But she gets five shots off per match while everyone is keying on her, and which right. creates space for everyone else. Like Correct. you know, the I mean, but you're getting five shots per game from your center forward, and, and so it's a team then that is you know their their shot difference is you know okay, but like not not particularly distinguishable from a number of other teams in the league but their XG difference is huge. Yeah. They are creating really good chances and not letting opposition teams get those good chances at the same time. I mean, I, like there is some concern that like the heart of that is penalties. There's I a chunk of those yeah. penalties, yeah. I, I was going to say, to be fair, uh, at least in the regular, their regular season XG, a huge chunk of that is for the, from the game where they set the record for the most XG created in a single game um, with like 4.5 or something really high. Um, but to be fair, like a good chunk of that was, was penalties. Um but yeah, they have re- they seem to like pick good shots as well. I mean, in that game, every single shot was in the penalty box or in the in eighteen year box. So um, it is sort yeah. of interesting because like I'm old enough to have like spanned Alex Morgan's entire career when she came up and she was like the young athlete that would sort of you know run off of and around Abby Wambach who couldn't move anymore, and like now Alex Morgan is sort of the the more stationary like in the box like just absolute you know sort of killer goal instinct mm-hmm. player. She doesn't she is not like the running behind sort of stretch a defense type striker anymore. But watching like her game has evolved so efficiently with that. It's it's sort of fun to watch her like embody an entirely different sort of striker and do it so well. 
Okay, I guess we have to talk about Los Angeles, right? We, we, we <laughs> yeah. have to do it. Yeah, Angel City. Here we go. Um, I mean, they yeah. are bad. No, like you know. <laughs> no, and they all definitely have like really exciting players to watch. They're a very fun team to watch. Um, they've started off the season like surprisingly well after like a pretty rough Challenge Cup. Um, to be fair, they had like unexpected injuries and sort of. No, their stat their stats in the regular season are significantly better, yeah. especially defensively. Yeah. Yeah. They than, have like the lowest the XG Cup. conceded in the league right now um, in regular season, which is pretty impressive. Um, but of their they've played five games and the three games they've won have been against the three bottom teams in the league so i mean it's kind of hard to to take much from that stat right because a lot of these teams have only played like four or five games so if you lose a game yeah i mean like sort of at the bottom one of, the table, of but... one of those games is the courage right and and it's yeah. like how do how do we really want to internalize what the courage are right now also yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of difficult because they won the Challenge Cup and then they played five days later, lost at home, at, um, away to Angel City. And then just like they finally got their first point um, over the weekend. Um, so clearly, like, I don't know, it's sort of hard to take. It, it feels like you should take everything with a grain of salt that's happening with, with Angel City right now in the courage, to be fair. Yeah, like the, the, the more parity there is in a league the more games you need to make a judgment of who's better. Like it's just, yeah. you, you've got, you're working with smaller margins in every situation. Right. So like NC courage after like a few matches are one of the worst teams in the league based on like a four match sample, but like, it's kind of close and they, they you know, it's, it's, it's not obvious. And, and then like, and then everything is going to change. So like all of these sort of analytics points need to be taken. Like, it needs more eye test than you usually would be using, even though with five games in a Premier League season, you'd also still be using a lot of eye tests. Right. There's just more. <laughs> I, I would agree. I feel like last season, even halfway through the season, it didn't feel like you had a good grasp on what teams were good and what teams were bad because everything felt like an upset. Um, or, yeah, it just felt kind of bizarre. I think really until felt like September, late August was when I felt like I, I personally finally had like a good grasp on which and then like, good and which ones were on top of that. And we're sort of working with, with, with challenge cup stats as well. And like, there is a real breadth of, of how seriously these yes. teams do and don't take the challenge cup and sort of how seriously then we should take those stats in concert with, with the regular season stats. I mean, some do For take sure. it like seriously others. It really is just a glorified preseason. So. For sure. And you can sort of tell, cause you can see which teams are rotating the most and which ones just don't rotate. I mean, I think this year, like actually a lot of teams did rotate cause it was a longer, it's a longer cup. Well, it they was had the, the... really, really long. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's sort of hard to, it's, it's, it's good because you get a, it's good to combine the stats because you get a broader sample size, but sometimes it also feels like disingenuous to the team's ability because the first six games that they play are sort of kind of throwaway. Yeah. And, and then on top of that, like the, the teams that do go deep then kind of suffer a penalty because this season yeah. the schedule is overlapped. So there's a lot, of, it's just, just a lot of confounding variables when you're sort of trying to, to break apart this data. Um, yeah. That said, uh, when we're talking about Angel City, there's not really a good way to break the data for their attack. Like, there's just not a lot going on there. No, no, at least not in shots. They, I mean, they have a really good creator in June Endo, who's sort of leading the league and um, are really close to the top of the league and key passes and expected assists. Um, but then sort of there's nothing really at the end of those assists. Um, yeah, so this is this is speak a of. Yeah, it's, is... it's not any kind of this is not like, you know, some, you know, oh, man, analytics questioning the like they scored four goals in the season so far. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's definitely like a, 
it's been rough. Um, yeah, yeah they mean, seem to be lacking in like consistent forward production. They, they, they've scored four goals. They, they're worst in the league by expected goals. They're the only team in the league that has under 11 shots. And they've got nine and a half like per match. Like it's, it's not, there's not a lot going on in fact. Now, like I, if you want to talk about the benefit, the benefit is kind of feels like a team that if you could go out and find a striker in the transfer window, like this might just be a team that needs a, a top quality striker to like yeah. put on top of a really well-established base. Like you could sell me on that argument and they don't make you give the points back that you've sort of won already. So like there might be something here. But they I, they just shouldn't really depend on what they've got right now. It, it's also been hard. I feel like they've had injuries that have sort of not helped in that department. Like Simone Charlie last year was uh, among the highest um, players and actually created in, in goals added. I don't remember the exact stat. Um, and she came down to Portland and hasn't really had that same performance um, since she joined Angel City. But that's mostly because she's been injured. Um, and Kristen Press really hasn't hit sort of her. Yeah, her I guess that's, that's, that's really the question. Like, right? there are, like, it feels like there are goals there. They just haven't. Yeah. Something the, the like, hasn't clicked yet. Yeah. I, I, I haven't watched. I don't, I haven't watched LA yet. Um, but Chris Bress's stats suggest that she's doing more sort of wingery stuff. And I would wonder if what you want to do is just like, she's the, she's supposed to be the one who's there in the penalty area when Endo is, is looking for someone to pass to. But that's not like really her, her style of play, right? Like she, she's the sort of player that you pass the ball to and she dribbles past all the defenders and, and does like some sort of like galaxy brain stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, the problem I, right, is that she's doing that and she's not taking very good shots. Yeah. I mean, she's averaging yeah. four and a half shots a match. Right. But I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of those shots are outside the box. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. No, I, I, I also yeah, just wonder just if like at, at 33, she's not going to be able to blow by everyone with her galaxy brain stuff and get a good shot that like, you know, as you age, you move a little yeah. closer to the goal is a right. pretty traditional way that this works. Like say right. Alex Morgan. <laughs> Right. But I actually feel like she's gotten better. I mean, like, I feel like statistically she's actually gotten better sort of over time. I don't mm-hmm. have the numbers. Um, Interesting. It's at least on the national, a... like for the national team. I don't, Yeah, she hasn't really played the past couple seasons in the NWBSL, so it's hard to like look at This her. is what I was going to say yeah. is that her career is, is really hard to get a handle on at a club yeah. level because it's been so sort of peripatetic and all over the place. Um, yeah. And this is, you know, her return to NWSL is, well, I mean, she just, she profiles very, very clearly as a, a shot heavy winger who was not getting into the box. And like, if that's going to be your star player at the top of your, at sort of at the top of the lineup who you're depending on to get goals, the, the yeah. so far the shots have just not been, I mean, the shots have been not, not been good enough. Yeah. yeah. It, it, and I do remember I, I, create pass networks after every game and, and I, I spent some time looking at them and she she really is the most advanced player um in the shot network I, she a pass network she's actually usually like back pretty far um which which signals to me she's also doing a lot of, of defensive work and just not yeah I mean the problem yeah. is is that like you look for somebody else then to who would be taking shots and you know Endo is second on the team in shots and 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 McCaskill who's a, really a midfielder is third on the team and then you you get down to Taylor Lucy who's now playing fullback like yeah yeah 
there's there's nobody else there who's sort of like if if press is gonna not be in the box and and endo is gonna be mainly doing creating who is like there is to actually gonna get up be taking up those spots yeah. yeah yeah so for for um when she on on united she was getting into the penalty. I mean, she got four shots per 90 average distance of 16 yards. And if you're getting that from her, you're getting star forward production. And I think yeah. that that's kind of, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just, just only a few nineties with angel city and she'll start doing that. Yeah. I, that's why it signals to me that like, it's not necessarily like an aging situation. It's more just like, hasn't really found her. She also took a really long time off after the Olympics. So, you know, yeah, it's, I mean, it, it is certainly possible. She's like playing her way into game shape. Like yeah. that, that has not been a thing that is unknown to happen among, you know, 30 plus year old superstars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting to see what will happen there. Um, they also, I, th- I think they've mostly figured out some of the defensive problems that they've had in the beginning of the season, clearly, because they're X- XG allowed. Um, yeah, I think, low, I think but they're the going to most... have a new keeper soon, too. Um who's very good. Yeah, I think um, the most encouraging thing about them is is that defensive side of the ball where they both where they've both improved dramatically and then they're sort of now trying to put Lucy in the in, in the in the back line to maybe yeah. generate a little bit more attack and if you can continue to do that with while maintaining sort of that solid defensiveness like there is like stuff there that you can sort of attempt to problem solve with. Yeah, I agree. I, I would characterize them as a team that's like full of potential that still needs to be realized. And they're like maybe one or two players away from being like quite good. So I I think that most people in in preseason were looking at the rain as the best team in the league. And like their underlying numbers suggest that they're like, you know, maybe the best team in the league. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But also like, like extraordinarily, you know, uh, unlucky like they've only scored five goals on 10 xg in the regular season this does not include challenge cup challenge yeah. cup stats um yeah and three goals allowed on 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 five xg so they've xg allowed so sort of had like a bit of an unluck unlucky streak but this is sort of like a, a reversal from the challenge cup where they it was sort of the other the other side so maybe they're just okay um <laughs> but, they, but on paper they should be really good right they have like all these really incredible players like Sofia Huerta who um just became the all-time chance creator uh uh for the NWSL um uh Rose Lavelle who you know is Rose Lavelle uh <laughs> said, does everything uh, yeah she does everything Bethany Balser last year had the highest um uh, ex- uh goals per 90 she almost won the golden boot playing like half the minutes of everyone else um uh, they're about to have Kim Little join them for the for a couple months um, when people are gone for qualifying. Like on paper, they should be a really really good team, but something doesn't really seem like it's clicking. To be fair, they seem like a, a pretty predictable team, right? Like Sofia Huerta can cross from deep. I mean, they she, are. She sends it into the into the box. Someone tries. To they score. are extremely reliant on Huerta in, in yeah. build up, right? I, I mean, like yeah. to an absurd degree. In the last year, 24% of the assists for the team came from her. In um, yeah. over, in like almost 13% of, of, of the the chances created. So like she is their like key playmaker. Um, and, and it's pretty predictable, right? Like get the ball to her. She goes down to end line or across the stream deep and maybe someone can get their head on it or do something. Um, which is pretty interesting because they have all these really good midfielders who you would think would also be able to to create good chances like Rose Lavelle or just Fishlock, who's the, the, the reigning player of the year. Um, yeah. 
it, it's a little bit of a bizarre situation with them. Um, and Roosevelt's on yeah. the ball a, a lot. I mean, I don't want to yes. like ignore that. She leads the team in shots per game in the, yeah. in the regular season, even ahead of Balser. Yeah. So like she's doing a lot, but it seems like Rain are a little bit easier to defend than their talent suggests yeah. they should be. Yeah. Like I said, I think they're just like pretty predictable. Um, fun predictable, but they're predictable. <laughs> so, I mean, like with the team like that, whatever they do is going to be fun to watch. But um, yeah, they like everything is sort of the same every game. So I guess it's, yeah. I guess the only the only other thing that I would really want to highlight about them in, in attack is how good Shara King has been. Um, yes. Because like, everybody knows Megan Rubino. Rubino has only played like 109 minutes in the regular season. She, yeah, she's been injured and then she came back and now she's injured again. And it's like just not clear how much soccer playing career Megan Rapino really has left. Uh, but King is just like, I mean, she leads the team in, in, in XG per 90. She's taking like three and a half shots a game. Uh, she's got like an, a quarter of an, ex- an expected assist per 90. She is just like, she's a dynamic player that I think kind of because there are a lot of famous players on Rain doesn't necessarily get the attention that her, her play probably yeah. deserves. Yeah, I agree. I think they have like a really, between her and Bolser and sort of some of their other attacking talent, they have like really good young young core that they're setting up. Um, so even if this team doesn't really seem to be the team that, that does it, just because of this like predictability issue and uh, like in the future, players like her are going to be so key to what they do. Because she doesn't necessarily play play a ton yeah she's uh, yeah she also i mean again she's it's basically her her and rapino have kind of split a lot of minutes because like megan rapino gets to play when yes. she wants to play <laughs> uh and i think King, king's also been a little dinged up this season yeah she did yeah but, she, like, she's been a little injured but when she's on the field she's really good yeah i agree all right where do we want to go next uh, so she- what were you gonna say well yeah i i was i was gonna say that i i, I think that you know it, Sort of, fake, you know, connect uh, rain and, and and Portland thorns a little bit. Yeah, that, I was gonna uh, say that's probably a good, a good place to go down, down. I don't know what highway that is. Yeah, it's, it <laughs> seems like the, the thorns are sort of trying to develop their next new core, but it's yeah. not quite there yet. Is that the story of this season? Or? Yeah, I, I feel like everything is new for them. Right, their coach, their longtime coach left. They have a new coach. They have a new GM. Um, they're uh, one of their player of the year nominees, Angela Salem left, leaving a pretty big hole. Lindsay Horan, who was like pretty much key to everything that they did is now on loan in Lyon. So she's not around. Um, so they have is like a coming, pretty- Is she coming back? Like now that Lyon's season is, is over? I think the loan was supposed to be through the end of next season. So oh, okay. I don't so, know if she's okay. gonna come back earlier or stick it for another season. But I mean, I think like well, the previous, Portland teams are pretty much like really ran everything through her. So they're sort of in a, in a new place where they, they don't necessarily have her to, to rely on. Um, and the new coaches like changed the sort of the, the style of play pretty significantly, like under Mark Parsons, they were high pressing team, um, really, really aggressive. Now they have the lowest uh, passes per defensive action in the league by like a really long, interesting long that shot. They went from, from about eight, PPDA last year to uh, 12 and a half this year. So um, they, they're very defensively disciplined, uh, but it's working for them for the most part. Like the players, they've, they've looked okay. 
I mean, you've got you see you've got you've got Weaver and you've got Sophie Smith, Sophia Smith in in, in up top, and yeah, they're both very good. Yeah. And it <laughs> Which, seems like Sophia Smith has like made a pretty big jump um, compared to last year. Like last year, I don't know if we buy finishing skills like a real as something you can quantify, but at least from the eye, she seems like she's a better finisher. Um, the chances that she used to take used to be sort of she wouldn't finish the chances that she's not taking this year. I mean, she's still like an absolute gunner, right? Like she's still <laughs> like over five shots a game and like just, just half an, an XG per, per game. But like, I think it's like, like you can usefully compare her gunning with, we were just talking about Kristen press who was taking like the same number of shots, but at like 0.3 XG. And like, that's a significant difference if you're going to yes. like gun away. Yes. Over the course of the season, that adds up to like three or four goals. So, yeah. And yeah. then on top of that, they've got Weaver who sits in the box and has like yes. 0.6 X, 0.6, like just over 0.6 actually per 90 mm-hmm. from like three in chain shots. So like, like they have the mix of skills in attack, which in theory complement each other. Yeah. I think that's also like a great way to compare Angel City and, and Portland, where it feels like the profile of forward that the Angels, the Angel City has is very similar not identical, but similar. Um, and yeah, like you can't get two different forward, more different forwards than, than Weaver and Smith. It, and it, it, it really helps them. So definitely, yeah. 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 They seem like they are a team that can build over the course of the season. Um, they also have Sam Coffey, who was a draft pick last year, um, who slotted in Angela Salem's place and um, has done really, really well. Um, she leads the team in, in goals added, maybe. I was looking at this before. I, I mean, here. that's I, I don't have that set in front of me. Oh, she has the second highest goals added. Um, I was going to say, just looking at her after passing Smith, numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Looking at her With, passing numbers, that seems pretty yeah. accurate. Yeah, Sophia Smith is like on her own level, but she has the second highest. Um, she's been really key uh, for set piece delivery. Um, yeah, she seems like she's like part of that young core that, that will be able to carry them forward. But definitely a very different Thorns team that, than we're used to seeing. Um, it might take some time to sort of gel. Uh, they seem like a playoff team though i think so and then like i think so it seems like you know you i i guess we we probably shouldn't end our like thorn section without mentioning christine sinclair right like yeah like she's still just (laughs) there still playing yeah she's she's there i mean she'll be gone i'm assuming for for world cup qualifying knock on wood Um, but like i mean they have her doing a ton of creative work for the forwards like very successfully right like she's at like 0.2 expected assists per 90 plus 0.2 expected goals per 90 she's just like so solid like in in that attack and when you have like young attackers around her who can do a lot of sort of the legwork she's just real good yeah yeah I it's talked a little bit about the, 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 the like the age the, the, as you age, you get closer to goal. And she's done that thing where now she got closer to goal and you drop as you age even further, you drop back and yeah. very, very few players can make that transition. And but, so, you know, yeah. obviously you probably can't press that much with a 38 year old Christine Sinclair. And so that makes sense, but she just, she's just such an amazing passer at this point in her career. Yes. Yeah. I, I would agree. Um, yeah. I mean, anything with Christine Sinclair. Enough said. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're all just sort of shrugging at each other here. Because, like, <laughs> yeah. What are you supposed to say? She's Christine Sinclair. Yeah, um, she's a legend. 
Yeah. Okay. Should we do we want to do like a, a couple more quick hits on any teams that maybe we, we we like that have stuff that pops out that we haven't hit or players that pop out that we haven't hit on? Um we've sort of jumped around a bunch. Yeah, I I'm trying to think of interesting. I mean, there are some other interesting teams like um Chicago is kind of interesting. Um, Mal Pew is doing Mal Pew things. It's it's nice to see her like yeah. have a second act to her career that is successful because like she was such a, a a hyped talent coming into the league, and then it took a few years for her to real really settle in and a couple of locations. Um, second act makes her sound really old. She's, I know she's well, twenty four. <laughs> the classic post type sleeper. Post type. Yeah. Everyone loves a post type sleeper. Yeah, I mean she she's incredible. She's score she has like more than double the XG of everyone else of the next players on her team and in like significant significantly fewer minutes. Um it actually kind of feels like when she's not playing, they're an extremely different team. Um, which is going to make it really interesting for when she is presumably gone for July. Um, but they also do have like some interesting young talent in Ava Cook and Sarah Griffith and some of these younger draft picks that um, seem to be slowly finding their footing. They're really, they also seem to be like a team in transition in terms of. Um, so the, Pew, the just, Pew yeah. just leads, leads the league in, in, in shots for 90 yeah. um, of, of anybody incredible. who's played significant minutes. Uh, and it's lead to like 0.61 XG per 90 with that. I see uh, plus she's her, her expected assists are off the charts. So she's it's, it's half an, half an expected assist per match. Like, yeah. It, like when when you're talking about somebody that is like their team's entire attack, like that's going to be a struggle. Yeah, yeah, and this is just a this is a young team. I and mean, Pew is still 24. Cook, as you're saying, is 21. Bianca St. George has been doing a lot for them. And midfield is 24. Like they're, they're it's, this is like if they can keep this core together, it's, it's fun. Yeah, they're definitely, and it's yeah, it's like a very new. They they feel like they're a different team. This is their set. They they have a new coach this season. Um, it's the first time they've had a new coach in the history of the league. So <laughs> trying new things and I mean, yeah, yeah we, we're dancing around a little bit. Right. But like everything that went down in Chicago and then like tons of players in the wake of it were just like, I'm done. I want out. Yes. And Chicago facilitated that more or less. And so they are very young, but it is as much by necessity as it is by design. Right. Um, and so like you have Mal Pugh, which is great. And then you hope that sort of some of these other young players can, can grow into these roles. Yes. That's a great way to put it. Um, I I will also say it's like a very different vibe of a team from last year where their leading goal scorer was on goal. Um, (laughs) yeah, there's that. Um, so this year that means they actually have offensive production, which they didn't necessarily have last year. Um, granted it's like primarily through one player um and then like when when cleo watt comes back from from her acl tear that should probably help a little bit depending on how long it takes for her to to gain her footing but they definitely seem like they have the pieces to be pretty decent definitely all right any anyone else you want to uh hit on here before we is there any teams that you is there are there any teams you want to hit on I think we've hit all of my major questions. I guess like the last thing that I would say that we haven't talked about that I have questions about is like the courage, like, are they good or bad? (laughs) 
Uh, yes. Uh, I, I, I think it's really hard to tell they've they've you know they started off obviously really good uh or decent in the in the, in the challenge cup and they won um green assault of course they they've had like some weird personnel situations they've been playing a lot of defenders as forwards um part of that is out of necessity like they they tri- they they brought in some some forwards caroline um, is, is really the, the the big one um and she when she plays she's pretty she's outstanding but she, she's injured again um and then we'll be gone i'm assuming for um south american world cup qualifying um yeah. next month but uh yeah this is really rambly but she, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, Dabinia is obviously great, right? Yeah. And and Caroline, when she plays, I mean, she was a, a pretty big part of their, their Challenge Cup run. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. I feel like this was a team coming into the season that everybody just assumed would be good. And there's, like, not a ton there in attack. Yeah. I mean, again, part of that is because they're playing fullbacks as, as forwards and doing so. Uh, so that's, that is probably uh, the cause of most of that. I mean, Carson Pickett has sort of returned to her last season self. Um, she's like arguably the best fullback in the league right now. Um, maybe after Sofia Huerta, but she does lead the league in, um, in um, goals added so far this season or if, amongst fullbacks. Um Dabinia is Dabinia. They've also brought in some like really interesting draft picks. Uh, Deanna Ordonez um, uh, out of UVA has sort of like a different um, profile to some of the other forwards that they yeah, have. Yeah, she's she's interesting. So she leads the team in expected goals per per ninety and has like, but it's only zero point three two. But she's also only taking like a little over two shots. Yeah. So you know, it's it's again, it's one of those sort of like, you know box in the box type like you know not doing a lot of creating for anybody but like getting on the end of stuff but you need to get her on the end of stuff exactly so she has a very different profile than some of the other forwards like caroline um which is interesting she she didn't play a lot in the beginning like through the challenge cup and then started to play more so it'll be interesting to see how she develops they also have this uh, a new midfielder named emily gray who's another draft pick she hasn't played a lot but um in like really limited minutes i don't actually have any data to back this up but she like the eye test says yes so i mean she's only played 131 minutes and she's already got uh like two assists so okay yeah it helps Rain assault. I mean, obviously small sample sizes, but it seems like they are also shaping up to, like a lot of teams are shaping up to be a team that maybe might struggle this season, um, but has like, it seems to have like a lot of young players that as they grow um, could be really competitive. I think the Courage also struggled They for, for a long time. They had like this very solid core of players um, that they drafted like six years ago and then followed them down to North Carolina. And then they all left in the off season. So, or most of them left in the off season. So, it's it's like a pretty new team, um, and, and yeah, it, they're an interesting one for sure. Um, I like I said, you can do really poorly your first couple games and still right, um, and they've come crashing yeah. through at the end. And they've only played four matches because they had yeah. one for the Challenge Cup and then one for COVID, um, yeah. sort yeah. of delays. Say, they've also had like a COVID outbreak that seemed pr- fairly significant, which um, I think that's the other thing that makes it really hard to to like analyze these teams, right? Like every time you see a team that has COVID outbreaks, you sort of want to allow time for those stats to stabilize. 
Yeah, because so, I yeah. mean, it's it's both like the physical toll it takes, but it's also just like incredibly disruptive on preparation and practice and time spent together and all those sort of like, like all the things you take for granted as like a constant in like teams and like feeding into team statistical production get disrupted by COVID in ways that other things don't really disrupt. Exactly. Exactly. So like the courage is one of those teams where I feel really hesitant to say anything because, you know, they like one game into the season, they had a COVID outbreak that took out, like, I think it was like eight or nine of their players and um, they don't seem to have gained their footing since, Um, but it's, it's only a couple weeks after. So maybe, maybe they just need to reset. Yeah. And then the other thing is that like Dabinia was, you know, dominant in the challenge cup and she's got one goal and no assists this season so far in the league. And on like, I don't, it's in, 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 a thing. It's four games. Dabinia has, for whatever reason, not been great and also was way under her XG. She'll yeah, probably I mean, just like be great. She's just going to ball out when she gets back from qualifying. That's yeah, yeah. And that's the other thing. It's like her, her underlying numbers are maybe a touch off, but mostly fine. So, yep. you know, there we go. Yeah, I, I think they'll be okay. All right. All right. Well, well, Ariel, thank you so much for joining us and uh, getting us started on this NWSL season. Uh, where can the people find you on the internet? What do you want to? Yeah, uh, you can follow me at Ariel underscore Dura on Twitter. I post uh, post match data viz after every game. Um, Everyone loves people who post post match. Oh man. People who tweet ramblings and post post match data viz. They're very popular. People like them a lot. It's like like a cool thing to be in my opinion. Yeah. It's a cool club. For sure. Yeah. Maybe maybe if you work really hard at it, you can get to the point where you have to separate out your viz into its own account. I have been told that those people are the epitome of cool. That like, <laughs> like that is just the summit, the apex. Well, it's a good thing. I feel like I'm getting there. Then I'm gonna just be the. I'm really gonna be up there. Oh yeah, coolest person oh, yeah. ever. <laughs> All right, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, this year, we're definitely, probably, hopefully, not gonna wait like a whole year to have you back again. <laughs> yeah, happy to come back later. Thanks so much. All right. We will be back later this week or next week or whatever day this is with uh, more soccer podcasts. Cheers, y'all. Cheers.